0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Walk. It's a windy day, uh, and there's a horse who is looking at me from the other side of the fence here on my right. He's, he's following me with his gaze. What you looking at? <laughs> oh, there you go. You heard that? He's laughing at me. He's like, <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> on my left, by the way, is a, <clears throat> is a golf course pretty big one as well at first i thought it was like hey that looks like a nice park to walk uh and even though there's not a fence surrounding it i'm pretty sure that it's private property and i'm not supposed to walk there but it looks really nice (laughs) golfing that's a that's a sports that i i've never done well i've done it in vr uh or vr yeah no it was not vr was the the wii what was it The wii u The ones, the Nintendo device, where you would hold this remote control and then you could swing your golf, whatever it is, golf, golf stick. (laughs) That was fun. But, uh, yeah, I can see the the advantage of uh, uh, walking around there in in this kind of almost park-like environment with nice grassy hills while at the same time, you know, moving a bit. But from what I've heard, it's, it's expensive and it, revol- it requires a lot of ha- hand-eye coordination. And if there's one thing I don't possess, it's hand-eye coordination. So I'm pretty sure it would, wouldn't be very satisfying. <laughs> I'd probably not even hit the ball most of the times. Uh, today, I want to talk about Lent. Because we're in the middle of it. (laughs) And I hope things are going well. I hope you actually have some specific projects for Lent. Uh, Just don't leave it to the spur of the moment. Because especially after a few weeks. You know, Ash Wednesday, first week. Yeah, everybody's focused on Lent and on fasting and stuff. And then after a few weeks, you start to forget that it's actually Lent. And then the only thing that reminds you of the upcoming Easter uh, celebrations is the chocolate eggs in the, your local stores. <laughs> but um, but Lent, of course, as I explained before, is, uh, is at a time of 40 days. And it's meant as a training time. It should challenge you a little bit because what you want is to create new habits and to change your behavior. And that change of behavior uh, follows... Uh, along three main areas of interest. Uh, first one is fasting. We talked about that a, a while ago. It's not necessarily just fasting food-wise, although that's never a bad idea, but it's also getting rid of stuff that clutters up your life and requires too much energy, time, or money, and dedicate those resources onto things that are more important and, and uh can help you and the people around you. Uh, the second area that Lent focuses, or hopes that we focus on, uh, Lent itself doesn't do anything, you have to do things during Lent, is, is prayer. And the third one is almsgiving. And uh, I already touched upon prayer in previous episodes of The Walk, especially how important it is to dedicate some quality time to prayer. And not just leftover time, <laughs> but almsgiving is a is another one that that sounds a bit old fashioned almsgiving. You kind of picture an old lady sitting at the <laughs> at the roadside asking for money and uh, and you give her a, a dollar or, or something like that but of course, almsgiving is <clears throat> something that has been part of the Christian tradition since the apostles, and it is. Uh, it's, it's much bigger than just giving money to the very visible uh, people in need. Uh, in Rome, you see uh, a lot of those professional beggars, and they're literally—it's their profession, it's their job—to beg, to do begging, and to put up a, in a certain way an act. And uh, it's, it's annoying, especially if you know that it's fake. Uh, a lot of these ladies, these old ladies, actually. Uh, <laughs> they have a very comfortable life um and so it's more street performance uh what's coming up behind me there oh it's a big yellow Liebherr uh, crane that was passing me by probably uh, part of the uh, forest maintenance teams that you often see here in the area uh now that we're heading for spring they are getting busy of course because this is an area very popular with uh, uh day tourists people that love to walk and bike here so that requires a lot of maintenance of the of the woods um the almsgiving itself is sharing something with others in order to help them uh, reach their goals. So, to me, this was a big eye opening thing uh, I learned in, in Ethiopia. I always thought, you know, almsgiving is giving money so they can eat. Uh, that is why, when I learned that these old ladies in Rome are just faking it and it's just a street act, I was like, ah, man, I'm never gonna give money in the streets again. And someone told me, I think it was Father Michel. He said, "The real, the real, the poor, the the genuine poor people, they don't sit here all day. They're trying to work as hard as they can. Sometimes they even have two jobs, and they still can't pay the rent. So a lot of the poverty is actually in the outskirts of the city, and it's hidden. You don't see it because these people are really struggling. Um, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't help the homeless, but it's only a very, very small part." of the overall group of people that are suffering with poverty and so uh, the, the what I think is the key to this is to understand that it's not just sharing your abundance with these poor people that need some food on the table um, the best way of practicing almsgiving is to help people to reach their goals in life. It's it's not just about survival. Every person has the same dreams and ideals that you have. They're just born under different circumstances. But what gives you the right to pursue all your goals? And why wouldn't other people have that same uh, opportunity in their lives? And in Ethiopia, that's what I saw. I was staying with uh, uh, a community of sisters. I wasn't staying there, I was actually staying in a hotel, but they were basically our our base. And from there we went to visit a number of projects where the sisters were helping uh, a a whole generation basically to uh, um, overcome their poverty, not by just giving them food, but to invest in their future. So they would uh, manage schools, big schools for hundreds and hundreds of children from poor families. They got not just school material, but also clothing. So uh, it struck me that all these kids had uniforms, very much like what you see in Harry Potter, which is very kind of surprising in Ethiopia, where in the streets, you know, people are just, especially the poor, wearing rags. And uh, or local cost, local clothing, whereas this was almost like very Western, uh, Harry Potter style, English influenced uh, school clothing. The sisters explained to me that this is very important for the kids because you, once they have their uniforms on, which are provided by the school, you can't tell if a child comes from a poor family and actually lives in a house or a hut made of uh, cardboard (laughs) which is is sometimes the case or if that person is a bit more fortunate and has slightly more well-to-do parents and lives in a normal house still may not have windows or toilets but still it's a house so the school clothing is is a huge equalizer which is very important for friendships these children don't look down upon each other but they learn that that for at least for in the, during this time of their day and life they're all equal what matters is not what you wear it's how you behave and uh and there was also a lot of emphasis on social behavior so the sisters really train these kids to be polite kind to each other uh, there, there's a lot of community bonding taking place in, in those school communities. So it's not just about acquiring work skills, but also changing the mentality of a generation. I was super impressed. And uh, there were a number of these projects that we were visiting, uh, some of which I describe in my, in my book, uh, Confessions of a Geek Priest, or Geek Priest... Uh, which reminds me I should still put back on the market i have the rights to the uh, to the uh, to the book now, and I do still have the audiobook recordings and everything it 's just self publishing um, uh, it 's easy, but you still need to dedicate some time uh, maybe i 'll uh, ask around in the community if someone can help me republish those books on amazon because it's uh yeah anyway. So I tell that story of uh, some of those projects in Ethiopia. But it opened my eyes. So this is this is something I get very excited about. As much as I don't really like giving money to someone who is just begging for it without knowing anything about that person, without establishing a relationship, this is something I got invested in. But like, wow, I can really help change the lives of these children and help their parents as well with something that for me is really completely uh, forgettable in terms of the amount of money. But for them, it can help build up their futures and can help them reach for uh, a future. This is, I think, why almsgiving, I think, should be redefined, or we should rediscover that as something that goes beyond just giving money. I think we would get much more done if we realized that this is about fraternity this is about our brothers and sisters that we need to get to know. And and once we identify with their plight, and also identify with their dreams, then I think we would do much more. And it would be so much more fun. Cause We tend to always associate Lent with things that are not fun. But we're not... We're not meant to live an ascetic life just for the sake of living an ascetic life. No, we want to live life to the fullest. So everything in Lent should actually enrich us. And I think this almsgiving thing, it, 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 it motivates me to do something more than just giving money. And one of the things that I've been thinking of, I've of course got all these ideas for documentaries, but... <clears throat> Maybe that is, a, 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 for me, a direction uh, in which I could also explore if I can tell some stories about projects like that. Uh, helping, helping people in need to create something beautiful. I mean, that in itself is such a great story. Someone who has a dream is unable to do it by himself or herself, and then friends come in and help realize that dream. That, that is a documentary I would watch um and and so f- for me, this <laughs> of course, <laughs> I cannot immediately do that, but this almsgiving aspect of lens has um made me think about stuff like that and and me being a storyteller and having uh experience in media I can help that process tremendously. There's one thing that um I remember from my Primary school was that uh, during Lent we would also save um, a bit from our weekly allowance. Well, most kids got a bit of an allowance from their parents. And we would give a bit of that money, or we would even go and do jobs for people, like washing a car or something like that, cleaning the garden, and then people would pay us a little bit, and we would save that up for the Lenten project of our school. But what I do remember is that that Lenten project, even though the money may actually go to you know, a big organization, but it did have a name and a face. And There was this, this boy, this young boy, who lived in, I don't remember which country, somewhere on the continent of Africa. And when they introduced the project, uh, they showed us a picture, they read a letter that he had wrote, Or maybe someone wrote for him in which he uh, told about what his day looked like. And I remember as a kid, I was like, wow, that is so different from my life. Uh, But every day in the hall, the main hall of the school, we would see his photo. And we would be reminded of the things that he wrote to us. And so we were super motivated to help him. And then he wrote us about his... Uh, family or his brothers and sisters and his father and mother and what they did and I don't recall all the details but just this idea that we were doing this for someone was such a (laughs) it was so motivating and I loved as a kid to spend uh, time just doing these chores for people in order to make a little bit of money we would even uh, (laughs) ask our parents if we could do some chores uh, to uh, finance that project. So the thing is, it was not just this kind of more moral project where uh, you should learn to be more altruistic and share your, uh, your money with the poor. All that is super abstract, and it, I don't think it works. But this was, a, oh, you want to help that guy? You know, <laughs> he's got my age. And I want to help him, but I also want to help his sister. So uh, I felt that we had a relationship. And the cool thing about that project is that it lasted for several years. So when I did my first communion, that's when we were first introduced to this kid. And then the next year, he would also go to a new class. Or maybe they were just building a school for him. I don't know. But, But so for, I think, three or four years, we... Got letters from him. We saw the photo changed. And he grew up, and just like we were. And he told us stories about what uh, the help organization had been doing in his village, and and we got some photos of that. Now I still, up until today, don't know if that kid was just writing to us, or whether this was just a corporate thing that they made. You know, one story, and all the school kids in the Netherlands actually know the same boy, and they were all thinking that they had this personal relationship with this kid and his family. I don't, I don't care. This was way before the internet, so we couldn't do any cross-examination. Otherwise, we would have figured it out. But, um, but what I learned from that is how important it is to always realize that if you give something to someone else or if you donate, it's always about relationships. You want to realize a dream. Uh, and help someone else realize a dream, which is even cooler than realizing your own dreams, you actually maybe at an age or a time in your life where, well, you're, you're, you have realized a lot of your dreams and you're past that. and Or maybe you don't. You, have, you may still have dreams, but you don't have the ability or the resources to, or, to do that. But you can still help realize someone else's dream. And then that in itself gives you so much I don't know, energy and, and purpose and makes you feel grateful that you can participate in someone's life. This is, I think, what it should be about. And and, and I've seen uh, lately in my country, uh, the bishops have kind of uh, taken over that, that job. They, well, this used to be a very big thing when a lot of... The Catholic Church was still very, very big in my country would be this massive organization with lots and lots of experts, also in communication. And then the bishops wanted to have more control over... Uh, yeah, it was more. It was a, lot, a lot about control. So they started to have more of a... They would do it themselves. They formed a small group of people that would focus on those projects. But because it was much smaller and they didn't have the same budget anymore, communications-wise... That personal dimension started to fade away. We didn't hear any stories anymore. It was just like this kind of generalized text that every parish got and that we needed to read at the end of the Mass. And this year uh, we are supporting the building of water sources in Cameroon. Just making something up here. And we want to finance medication for... uh, for mothers and children. And that's it. You know, it, it, you wouldn't even get photos or or like anything. So in in a number of parishes I know that that they they did some research by themselves and they well, you know, on the website you can download like three or four photos, but it's nothing compared to what they used to do in the past where you would get a much more personalized idea of what what you were supporting. And I don't know anything about the the revenue that they generate or the funds that they gather. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's much less than, than in the past. Not just because it's a smaller organization and we don't have that many Catholics anymore. Because I still believe that we still have the same amount of people in the Netherlands. And everybody wants to help someone else. You don't have to be Catholic for that. So the difference is, I think, in communication. Are we really giving people the f- feeling that they are helping concrete people like them to realize a dream if you focus on that I think it could still be successful maybe even more successful today than it ever was because we're much richer now and we have so much more opportunity in the media this is incomparable what they did in in primary school that was done in a time before the internet Imagine what you can do now with low cost video with Skype connections with theirs but you have to focus on storytelling. And and I think the purpose should not just be projects. Like building a school or no, the purpose should be people. I want to help these people <laughs> and we'll see how far we can get. I mean, yeah. Ideally we would like to build this hospital or this school. But that depends on you, <laughs> how much you help us help them. If that becomes your narrative, then people want to make it happen. That's what I would like, you know. Yeah, we want to go for that hospital. What do you mean we can't do it? Let's just, you know, give it give it an extra push. We can do this. So anyway, storytelling is fundamental in this because it is the purpose of almsgiving is not just improving the world. No, it's bringing people together. The moment you give someone something he has not, you establish a relationship. It builds friendship. It builds trust. If you invest in someone that other person knows, I can trust that person. Because he just invested in my future. And if you see what that person is doing with your money or your gift... You also get something back. you're like, "Wow, that person just you know, took my money and ran with it in the right way." <laughs> you know that person actually did something with my investment, and that gives you so much back in terms of of, of happiness. there's nothing that makes us happier than contributing to someone else's happiness so that those are just a few of my thoughts when it comes to this aspect. It's often kind of, I think, a uh, neglected aspect of, of Lent. It's seek to build friendship to help other people by investing in their future and in their dreams. Because if you were in their shoes, you would dream of someone like you to do the same thing for you. Um, and storytelling is, I think, the connective tissue between people. Communication, storytelling, that should be what helps us build these bridges between those who need and those who can give. And, and, and good storytelling makes always sure that it goes both ways. That everybody who gives and or receives becomes richer. <laughs> as, a rich, as a giver, you don't become poorer, you become richer. And as someone who receives, you don't become just rich, but you also give something back. And these people oftentimes have already learned how to give because their life is <laughs> about trying to create a future together. That, that's another thing that I remember vividly from Ethiopia, It's that sense of community and how much, even the people that had almost nothing would still invite you over to share a meal or to join in their tea ceremony which is extremely impressive and it's this ritual which costs almost nothing a little bit of tea and maybe a a a, a spoon of sugar but the entire ritual is so engaging and it's a, a way to honor guests is to invite them to that tea ceremony and they go through all these different rituals and songs and it's 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 amazing and it's literally making a gift out of nothing what do they share with you a bit of water with some tea leaves in it what they give you is their respect it's the beauty of those rituals their welcoming friendship because this is something you only do for friends so anyway the the, the people of ethiopia that that i met I think we're extremely creative when it comes to giving. They couldn't give any money, but then they would just share a cup of tea. But they did it with so much creativity and beauty that it became something that I will never forget. That is what real almsgiving is all about, I think. It's, it's this creative aspect of it, storytelling, sharing, friendship. That's what it should be about. It may be... I can play a role in that in the future. I don't know exactly how, but I feel that this is a a dimension that's worth exploring, especially because of that innate story that's already there of of creating something, building a future. There's nothing in terms of stories that inspires us more than reading about that. All right, thank you so much for uh, walking along with me. For my patrons over at patreon.com slash Uh, there is an extra mile I literally walk an extra mile and I talk a little bit more in depth about uh, the things that I'm working on uh, things going on in my life Um, and well the patrons are in a certain way also sharing a little bit of their uh, their own financial possibilities in the form of a micro donation every month to help us realize our dreams as a community Um, this is not just about me thankfully but I feel like I'm a bit like taking the lead of a group of people that feels that we should do we have something to, to tell we have something to do in social media and it's more necessary than ever and my dream is to bring people together through the language of star wars and geekery in general through beautiful documentaries that make people go wow we live in a cooler world than than we thought but my ultimate purpose is to form friendship and form a community. And while well, my patrons have already experienced how much that community has flourished and how much it means to, uh, to a lot of them. So if you want to join that group of investors, go to patreon.com. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week and we'll talk soon. Bye.